0: Good morning, Vineyard. Say good morning to your neighbor. That's right, and some people are doing it, but yell across the room because we're just a friendly bunch of people here. And uh, he didn't know today's his special day, but everybody say good morning to Dave Anderson. It's his special day today. Yeah, not going to say that. Nope. Yeah, Dave does a wonderful job. He coordinates all of our streaming, so we stream on Facebook. Hello, Facebook people, and then our uh, our uh, YouTube. So we have we have an in house community, and we have I can't say out house because that would really be bad. Would be in your house community, but we are all a community. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to pray, and um, how many of you showed up this morning with expectation of what you want Jesus to do? Okay, so what I want everybody to do is to raise your hand, everybody raise them high, and say, yes, I have an expectation of Jesus doing something in my heart today. And that's a good morning prayer. So we don't have to say anything after that. Amen. Amen. You know, I keep thinking one of our, our, the the last Vineyard National Director always used to say one part of it, he'd be sharing during the conference, and he'd say, you know, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Right? So that's my prayer for us this morning. If you feel like standing, you can get to your feet. Mind your neighbor, though. And... uh We'll put the words up on the screen. And uh, so we're going to do a form of worship with music first. Then Pastor Scott's going to share a message uh, from Jonah today as we continue in our um, Christians Living in a Divided World series. Um, But most of all, for me, it's just, you know, I I need some me time and some us time with the Holy Spirit today. Amen. Amen.
1: Jesus from the mouth. So
2: we just sang about jesus's name and speaking
3: jesus over all of the depression the anxiety the things in our life now we're going to sing about how much power is in his name because i believe there's power in the name of jesus amen so we're going to sing that i encourage you to sing that over whatever that thing is that's holding you back um just believe
2: that there's power in his name i
1: Death is defeated. The King is alive.
0: Hmm. Death is defeated. Holy Spirit, doing whatever you're doing right now, and Continue. You're whispering to people right now. you walked in, He's ready to break it from you. Not only break it from you, but He's ready to take it from you. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit, that this is the place right now that you're here and that you're working. we give him some praise and glory this morning come on now can we give him some praise and glory this morning you know what it'll never be about the hype it'll never be about anything that we do but it'll be about everything that he does amen amen janice you better save us you just better save us there you go entered no pressure
3: morning here in the church on the sunny day and everybody home on Facebook. Uh, We're streaming live and you'll also find us later on YouTube. We're continuing our uh, sermon series, Christians Living in a Divided World. Uh, This series is a result of the interest survey took from the beginning of the year. Pastor Scott Purdom's message today is called Jonah and it's found in the short book of Jonah. Grab your Bible or cell to look up the text. It's also in your bulletin. Our Food Resource Center has new times tomorrow, Monday, March 6th. We need volunteers for food bags starting at 4.30 to 6 p.m. On Tuesday, we still need volunteers from 11 to 3 and 4 to 7. Volunteers are needed to help with our food distribution and cleanup. Hope to see you there. Next Saturday, March 11th, is our third class for the meeting of marriage, a vision for married and single people. For those involved, remember, read Chapter (laughs) 6. What am I created for? Have you ever thought about that? We are offering a class here Wednesday, March 8th from 7 to 9 p.m. Sign up in the lobby or see Jim with questions. Don't forget, next Sunday, dun-dun-dun, Daylight Savings set your clocks ahead, go to bed a little early, and make extra coffee. Don't forget today's offering in the back. You can also um, do it on Facebook. Um, We're so glad you're here.
4: morning church one of the joys of life is uh, getting to share the word of God uh, with with all of you and uh, I thank God every time I get the chance to do that Um, not so I can be lifted up but so God can be lifted up Um, Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you that in a divided world, there is a God who came to break down the dividing wall. There is a God who came to (coughs) break down the barriers between people and other people, to break down the barriers between people and God and to put up a barrier between us and Satan. Um, And we thank you for for all of that. We pray this morning that as we think on the book of Jonah, that you will give us some words. And uh, we just give you this time and ask that you would bless it. I pray this in Jesus' name amen. So Jonah is one of those books that, um, you probably heard about in Sunday school. Uh, Jonah and the whale, Jonah and the big fish. Uh, there's so many possibilities of what to do with the book of Jonah. Um, I looked up some of the, uh, pastors that I really appreciate and, and, uh, admire for their insights into the gospel gospel and into the Bible, Um, and I see some of these guys preaching six or eight sermons on the 48 verses of Jonah, Um, and uh, there's that much in there for sure, Uh, but we're going to try to do Jonah in 12, uh, no, one hour, less than one hour, less than one hour. Uh, in, in in one sermon. Uh, and so I'm using the, the uh, s- series title, Christians in a Divided World, Christians Living in a Divided World, uh, to guide my thoughts today because uh, in the book of Jonah there's a lot of division and there's the reason he ends up in the fish is because he's living in a divided world and he doesn't want to see it undivided. So what we're going to do this morning, I'll give you a little roadmap. map. <coughs> we're going to uh, look at the, uh, we're going to look at each chapter just for a few minutes separately, um, and uh, because this is a story in, in four chapters and four parts, and if I had to give it some other uh, titles, I might say, now you go back, uh, go back one more, for God so loved Nineveh is part of the story. And another part of the story is, next slide, Jonah's mulligan story. Um, A mulligan is what? If you're a golfer, it's a redo. Yeah, and uh, so uh, we we do get to see that. Um, But we're going to look at a story in four parts, four chapters, four parts. And and it's going to be Jonah and the storm in chapter one. Jonah's prayer in chapter 2, Jonah and the city in chapter 3, and Jonah and the Lord in chapter 4. Now, I I also want to say that uh, one of the things about Jonah and the book of Jonah is that uh, it's very easy for for people who maybe are not great people of faith or even people of faith To look at Jonah and say, well, that's obviously just a parable. It didn't really happen. Um, And yet, uh, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, um, tells us this. It says, then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And so he mentioned, Jesus mentions Jonah as a real living person who had real adventures. And for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, that's Jesus saying that, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of who? Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. And he goes on and says some other things about all of that. But (coughs) so Jonah is a, a real book, real character, real person, real events. It's part of the Bible. It's part of the Story that that God wanted humankind to have. Um, So let's look at Jonah. Jonah and the storm. It starts off with this The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up to me. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And said, go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Um, now, it would be a wonderful thing to hear the voice of, to, to hear the voice of God. <laughs> Scott, yes. Uh, and then you wait for this wonderful thing that God's going to say. But what you don't want to hear is, Scott, go into the Biggest enemy that you know of and preach against them. Uh, and you're thinking, why would I do that? Number one, I don't want them not to, be, not, not to have judgment brought against them. And number two, I fear for my life. Go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it. And so verse 3 says that this great man of God, but Jonah ran away. Jonah ran away from the Lord. And he headed for Tarshish. Now, Nineveh was over here. Tarshish was over here, about 180 degrees in the other direction. Tarshish was probably on what we now call Spain. And Nineveh was in the far Middle East. Um, so Jonah ran away from the Lord and he sailed to Tarshish 180 degrees in the other direction and he gets on the after paying the fare he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from God and then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent uh, storm arose that the ship Threatened to break up, the Lord sent a great wind and a violent storm and nona and, and Jonah is saying, "Oh mm. <laughs> um, and i you can fill in that blank um, The ship threatened to break up, and the people started to sing. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. I raise a hallelujah. Well, maybe, but I think they, they were singing their last goodbyes because they weren't sure what was going to happen. They started to throw cargo overboard to lighten lighten the ship so that it wouldn't sink. They asked Jonah, who they understood was a man of God, they asked him to pray Jonah said, throw me overboard um, and, the, and the sea will calm down. They said, well, let's try some other things first. And so they, they, they threw stuff overboard. They threw other things overboard, but the storm got worse. And so finally they cast lots. And of course, the lot fell on Jonah. So they threw Jonah overboard. Then they cried to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this the men greatly feared God, feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And the last verse of chapter 1 says, Now the Lord provided the huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I'm not sure that sounds like an, an improvement of being in the sea, except God was at work and Jonah was alive inside the belly of the fish. Um, I can't explain that but I believe it God saved Jonah but he got his point across to Jonah Jonah what did I tell you you told me to go to Nineveh what did you do Jonah I tried to go to Tarshish is that what I told you to do no you told me to go here So I think Jonah's starting to get the idea. And then we come to chapter 2, which is Jonah's prayer. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said this. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea, and the current swirled about me. All the waves, all your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, the seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain, I sank sank down the earth beneath me barred me in forever, but you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. Now do we know anyone else who was brought up from the pit joseph that's right uh, when when Joseph, with his coat of many colors and bragging before his brothers, and his brothers threw him into a pit um, where he expected to die. But God brought him up out of the pit, and he was sold into slavery. and goes down to Egypt, and you know that story. We've heard it recently. When I was in seminary... Um, David Siemens was the pastor at the Wilmore United Methodist Church, and he preached a series of sermons on Joseph. And one of the phrases that he used uh, repeatedly throughout that was that for every pit we find ourselves in, God sends a caravan to carry us out. And Jonah was in a pit here in the belly of a fish, but you, Lord my God, br- brought my life up from the pit. And you might you might have said at one time, Life is the pits. Um, but you, Lord, my God, brought me up from the pit. He goes on to say, those who cling to Well, first of all, he says, when my life was ebbing ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes to the Lord. Uh, Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, that's not the nicest description, but it's what happened. And the fact is that Jonah was still alive, and his priorities may have been shifted a bit. He's not going to go back to Tarsus. He's going to go to Nineveh, which God told him to do. And so chapter 3 starts off with Jonah going to Nineveh. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the, into the city. And he started proclaiming this. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And Nineveh was a powerful city. Just for for one man to stand up and say that, he was taking his life into his hands again because he expected the Ninevites would just throw him into prison or kill him. But he says, at the top of his voice, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. And that in and of itself is a bit of a miracle, isn't it? One man stands up in this huge city with well over probably 2 or 3 million people in it. And he stands up and says, You're going to die. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. And a fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. The Ninevites believed God. They put on sackcloth and they sat down in the dust. And when Jonah's warning reached the king, the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. He took off his royal robes. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. his fierce anger, so that we will not perish. They listened to the message that Jonah had brought. And when God saw that they did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them, did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened talk about a miracle Jonah preached like God told him to the people listened to this lonely voice in the midst of millions the people listened and they repented they knelt down before God they re- they they repented of their evil ways and when God saw how they turned What they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened, at which point everyone should have been jumping up and down, shouting and praising, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. And that brings us to chapter 4. Jonah had preached what God told him to preach. The people listened. The people repented. This great this great city of Nineveh. Uh there there's a number mentioned in, in a little while about 120,000 who don't know their one hand from the other. That's probably uh speaking about the number of children. Uh so probably well over a million people or more. The city was saved. And chapter 4 begins with this. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He said it. God told him to say it. He said it. The people listened. The people repented. The people were saved. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. We begin to see now why he wanted to go to Tarshish. Because he said, he said to himself, Self, if I do what God says, they may repent and God may save them. And that's not what I want to happen because they're evil people and I don't like them. Talk about a divided world. Even if God wants to save them, I don't want them, I don't want them saved. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said? See, I told you, Lord. Isn't this what I said? Isn't this what I said when I was still at home? This is why—that That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live it's <laughs> it's it, it's tough to figure out Jonah God said I want to save this people thousands and th- millions of people and Jonah says no I'll go to Tarsus instead comes back god saves him in the in the ocean he goes the second time he goes finally and preaches that the people listen they repent god relents and god and jonah says now that's why i'm angry because god did what he said he was going to do now lord take away my life for it is better me it is better for me to die than to live does that sound like pouting? Uh, how many of you had a, had a kid who was a powder? <coughs> yeah. How many of you were still pout? <laughs> yeah, some of us do. Uh, and God shakes his head. <sighs> Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? And then with that question in his mind, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Well, maybe God's not really going to save them. Maybe it's going to be destroyed after all. And I can just sit up here and watch. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up Grow up over Sh- Jonah to give shade to poor's head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was happy about the plant. And he's thinking, maybe God, you know, this is working out well for me. Maybe God's going to destroy the city after all. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, poor Jonah. He wanted to die, and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Now remember, his anger about God's compassion, and now he's angry about a plant. Is it right for you to be angry about a plant? It is, he said, and I am so angry I wish I were dead. It would be better for me to die than to live. But the Lord said, and these are the last two verses of the book of Jonah. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern over the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? So if nothing else, even if you don't like the people, remember that that the animals were saved too. Now, and that's how the book ends. Kind of an odd way to end the book, isn't it? Um, there's somewhat general consensus among biblical scholars that um, Jonah came around or else this, this book would never have been written. Um, that he finally came to his senses and realized that what God had done was a wonderful thing Millions of people had been saved and Jonah is recognized as someone who ultimately listened to God and did what God wanted. It took a while, but he, but he got there. Um. But that's the story. That's the book. Four parts. The Call, Jonah and the Storm, Jonah's Prayer, Jonah in the City, and then Jonah and the Lord Talking. Now, what I want to do today for the rest of the, our time together is have an extended YBSW. Yeah, but so what? Um, because I think, I think of, of the many books in the Bible, maybe this one deserves an extended YBSW. Because we need to ask the question, what does the book of Jonah have to do with me or you? What does the book of Jonah have to do with us? And while there are so many different ways that you can approach the book of Jonah and so many different things you can learn from it, at the heart of this book is the picture of a man who hated the Ninevites and got mad at God when God blessed the Ninevites, and saved them. Because Jonah lived in a divided world where it was very clear who your friends and who your enemies were. And he lived in a divided world, and he didn't want that to change. And yet God did. So let me ask you the question today. Do we still live in a divided world? And I think we do. So, I'm going to list several ways in which we are divided, make some comments about those, read some scripture from Matthew, and then uh, have some final thoughts. So, still today, let's see the first list. The Steelers, <coughs> boo. <coughs> the Yankees, boo. Yay. Yay. <coughs> But people get all out of sorts over their sports. Uh, Michigan or Ohio State, obviously Ohio State. Um, <coughs> and boo, I know. <laughs> I know, we have a Michigander over there. Uh, uh, but we get upset over, over sports. Or we live in a divided world where there are rich and poor and money is a great divider Um, and if you're really rich or if you're really poor it gets grotesque almost in either direction and then Are there divisions, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Mexican, whatever? We've all seen these. We we, we know it's true. One of the w- wonders of the vineyard in Wycliffe is that we... Have a mixed congregation, and, and it's a blessing. And do you know how rare that is? There, are, you know, uh, Sunday morning has been called the most segregated hour of the of the week. But it dis- it, it it divides people just based on the color of their skin. All of us created by God. All of us people that Jesus died on the cross for. And we look at the color of skin and say, well, that makes a difference. Not to God it doesn't. But we let it divide us. Or CNN or Fox News. Another way of saying liberal or conservative, um, and, and we let that divide us. Uh, we, we heard a, uh, a a conversation on TV the other day between a Democrat and a and a Republican <coughs> senator. I think senators. I think, uh, and they were having a civil conversation over an, over a subject, and they were talking about the subject, and it was a civil conversation. And Lori and I looked at each other and said, That's way it used to be. That's what that's way it should be. We're talking about the issues, not about I hate you because you're liberal or I hate you because you're you're conservative or I hate you because of this or that. Liberal or conservative. Um and and, and the trouble with these divisions is then we don't trust one another, and and we begin to see the other the the person who's not in your group as of far less worth than the people in your group. Of course, obviously that's true for Steelers. For, uh, no, no, <coughs> no, no. People and. And all of these divisions, there are wonderful people on both sides. Let's look at the next group, the straight, gay, LGBTQ. I don't know if I think I got those in the right order. Um, Do these, are these division makers? Absolutely. Are they every one of them? In all, all of these groups are people of sacred worth that God loves, and that Jesus went on the cross to die for. White collar versus blue collar, Muslims versus and and Hindus. Do you remember 9/11? You remember then in World War II, Asian Americans were taken into camps. Protestants and Catholics. Remember Ireland and the wars between the Protestants and the Catholics? or what about family members are there ever any divisions in families <coughs> of all the people that we should be able to count on and love and 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 support one another is is the family unit does that always happen no or your spouse yeah, but you don't know, you don't know what, what my spouse is like. My spouse is wonderful. <laughs> I'm quick to say. <clears throat> Let's look at the next group. Nosy or annoying neighbors. Uh, do you get along with all your neighbors? Do you know your, all your neighbors? Well, what about people who break the law? Criminals. We saw uh, just in the last day, um, there's a proposal that from the riots of 2020 in New York City, people who were involved in those riots should get reparations and money from the city. And that raises our hackles and and say, "Hmm, or street people, you know people who live in tents people who who crap on the sidewalks. What about snot nosed kids uh, there's a restaurant uh Somewhere that's been on the news, they're going to uh, not serve anyone who has kids six or eight, six or under uh, with them. You can't you can't eat there because they don't want their, those snot nosed kids running around. I don't know. I I don't think it was in Cleveland. It was just it just made the news. Uh, and then I have etc., cetera, etc., cetera, ad infinitum. Uh, if there's a reason for people to disagree, they will disagree and they will find a way to, to hate the other group. And the divisions start. And so Jonah, in effect, said to God, You know, God said, Jonah, I want you to go from here to Nineveh. And preach. And Jonah said, yeah, but, yeah, but you don't know what they're like. They're awful. They're terrible people. So I'm going to go to Tarshish and just avoid that little assignment. And God said, I love them. They all need me. They all need to be loved. So go and preach. And after spending time in the whale or the, the fish, he goes and he preaches. And God says, does what he said he was going to do. He, he hears their, their pleas of, of repentance and all of that. And he saves them. He relents from what he was about to do to them and the destruction he was going to bring on them because God is so good. And Jonah says, I told you you were going to do that. And so I'm so angry, it would be better for me to die than to live. And today, with the divisions of whatever division... That you recognize as, yeah, that's, of course, we're going to be divided from those people because they do this. We say, but God, you don't know what they're like. And God says, why, they're just like you. They're just like you. They're sinners in need of my love, grace, and forgiveness. And we say, oh. Hmm. I want to see what Jesus had had to say about this. So from the Sermon on the Mount, the last paragraph in chapter 5 of Matthew. Jesus says, "You have heard that it was said, love your enemy, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous" and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. I tell you, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. That's what Jesus says. So, yeah, but so what? There are no yeah buts in the kingdom of God. We don't get to say to God, yeah, but they don't deserve you because neither does the guy in the mirror. Neither do I. Neither do you. We don't deserve what God, what God offers. The Ninevites didn't deserve not to be destroyed. Why did that happen? Because of God's grace and love. And so God calls us to be agents of his life and righteousness to bring a hurting and divided world into the kingdom of God. Now, how do you do that? I don't know. Listen to God. See what God tells you to do. It may be that God asks you to pray for, for, for people that you would just as soon see sink into the, sink into the ground and never be heard, of, heard from again. It may be that God asks you to pray for the people that you hate the most. God may very well be saying to you, Are you is it, is it right that you're angry? Are you right to be angry? Do you care more about things like a plant and your own personal comfort than people? I had a guy in my church one time when I lived in Kentucky. He had a, a 1963 Chevy Bel Air that he had restored, and it was pristine. And uh, it was his pride and joy. He took it to, to car shows and all of that. And uh, one day he, uh, I, I drove by his house, and his car was not where it normally was. And so the next Sunday I asked him, I said, where's your car? He said, I sold it. I said, really? That was your pride and joy? You love that car? He says, yeah, I know. He said, but I was in the car and my, my wife was in the car and she spilled her drink. And I got so upset, I realized that the car was more important than she was in that moment. And I sold the car. And I said, good for you. Because we can't let things divide us. We can't. We need to be people. If we say we love God, then we've got to love as God loves. And this divided world is not what God loves. Well, he loves the world, but he doesn't love the divisions in it. And he wants us to be agents to help bring forgiveness and reconciliation to a divided world and I pray that we will all recognize that this week God may ask you to speak to pray for or whatever for someone that you really would just as soon never talk to again and I'm asking you to be faithful and say, yes, God, and don't go to Tarsus. go to Nineveh. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your kind love and your, your love that uh, sees no divisions in the world because you created us all. And Jesus died for all, all of us regardless of our station in life, regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of the nation where we were born or or what our ancestry is, regardless of how much money we have, regardless of what our political views are, regardless of what our house looks like, regardless of whether we are liberal or conservative, regardless of any of these things, regardless of whether we our Browns or Steelers fans or Yankees or Guardians. It doesn't matter, Lord. You love us all, and you ask us to be people who bring unity into the world, not division. So help us to seek our souls today, to, to take an honest, an honest opinion of ourselves and to see where we really are. Forgive us for the divisions that we make and that we that we continue. Help us, Lord, to be people who bring unity of love into the world through the power of Jesus Christ. Bless us. Help us to be your agents of unity. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yep.